Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women change makers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. My guest in this episode is Carol Dagger, VP of Legal at Love Black Group of Companies in Toronto, who is also a mental health patient at CAMH and who's become a mental health advocate for the organization. Carol was born and raised in Lebanon and came to Canada at the age of 13. She started her law career practicing in a capital markets group at a top-tier New York law firm. She then spent over a decade in progressively senior legal roles in the financial services industry. Carol's mental health journey started when she was diagnosed with postpartum after the birth of her daughter, and you will hear her tell the rest of her story in this interview. I'd like to issue a trigger warning as Carol will be talking about coping with severe anxiety and depression. This episode, along with several more this month, is presented in partnership with CAMH and their new Women Mind initiative. Women Mind is a community of philanthropists and thought leaders tackling the unique gender issues that underrepresented people face when it comes to their mental health. Women's mental health is a challenge on two main fronts. First, we experience depression, anxiety, and trauma to a greater extent than men. And next, women in science face biases as they work to advance their careers. An initiative like Women Mind at CAMH is critical to address the gender inequities we face when it comes to mental health. Find out more about CAMH and Women Mind by visiting the link in episode notes or go to camh.ca. Carol, it's a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining me on The Brand is Female. Thank you so much for having me, Eva. I look forward to our chat. It's absolutely my pleasure. And I always start these conversations by going back in time a little bit. So I'd love for you to uh, tell us about your journey and specifically when you were growing up, what did you picture you would be doing later in life? What kind of professional uh, journey or career did you envision for yourself at that point? That's such a loaded question, Eva. And, and for some, it may not be a believable answer what I'm about to tell you, but I was born and raised in Beirut, Lebanon. Uh, I was born in 1977, which is the year the Civil War started. And so I spent my primary school age years living in bomb shelters. And my father owned a condo building. And at the time, uh, tenants were not really paying up their dues. So I remember a day when my dad took me with him around the condo complex to knock on doors and ask the tenants for their overdue rent. And one of the tenants pulled out a machine gun, put it to my dad's head and said, you ask me again, I will pull the trigger. And I was about eight years old at the time. And I remember looking up at my dad and feeling so much fear and I remember thinking to myself, when I grow up, I want to be a lawyer so I can protect people like my dad. And I've never really wavered from that conviction. And I am a lawyer now. I'm a corporate lawyer. I'm not a human rights lawyer. But nonetheless, that's where my desire for my professional career stemmed from. Mm, wow, what a story. Um, and tell me about, um, well, 
it's 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 fascinating to know that you already had a you know an idea for what your career would be and I don't know if you had any lawyers around you or in your family at that time, but were there any role models and, and possibly women that inspired you uh, on that path? And it can be, you know, early in throughout your studies or as you started your career, uh, were there women that you looked up to that kind of helped you, uh, you know, uh, uh, picture what, uh, what a, a woman leader in the field of law could be like? So I am the first and only person in my family to have gone to university and to postgraduate school. I have five sisters. I'm right in the middle. So I was the role model for my sisters um, because, uh, you know, I really was the only one who got any formal education. So I really didn't have anyone to look up to to say, wow, I want to be like her. My mother got married at 15, uh, completely uneducated. Uh, doesn't doesn't really know how to read or write. And um, so I really had to pave the way for myself. Though as I grew up in my career, I did develop a lot of great working relationships with different men and women who then acted as role models for me. And I have to say the biggest role model for me was my elementary school teacher, Mary Lou Stogri. When we came to Canada, I was in grade seven, and I didn't speak a word of English. And she spent a lot of time um, teaching me how to speak English through being compassionate and kind. Um, And I have never forgotten her kindness. And women like her are what inspires me to do well and to pay it forward, because it doesn't take much to be kind. Um, And it's that kindness that propels humanity forward. And so uh, when when we talk about role models, I myself look for role models who are not only good in their profession and top of their game from a professional perspective, but really are kind and compassionate leaders and who lead from the heart. And so one of my biggest role models right now is my sister, Rola, who is not formally educated and got married at a very young age, divorced with two kids, um, was recently the president of Cisco Technologies, and now is the global chief channels officer at Dell. And if you were to look at her uh, when she was young and struggling in her life, uh, you would think, what will she ever do in her and her life, let alone her career? And so what inspires me about her is that when she gets pushed down, she gets right back up. And again, that is what I look up to is perseverance and strength. That's such a wonderful story. Um, We are speaking about mental health at this series of conversations is around the the work that CAMH is doing and uh, around the topic of women and mental health specifically. And um, you are a mental health advocate having had an experience of postpartum depression yourself. So I want to talk about that chapter in your life. And I'd love for you to walk me through what that experience was like, how, you know, um, how you how you dealt with that challenge in your life, and also just how your postpartum presented. um, And, you know, what were the steps that you took to uh, really, I, I don't think one, one can take control of the situation, but to get on a, on a healing journey uh, to deal with your postpartum. 
Yeah, and that's a great question. And I am a mental health advocate in no uncertain terms, but it took me a long time to get here. So my journey with postpartum depression started um, about 11 years ago when I had my first daughter, Madeline, who was a gift and nothing that I'm about to say takes away from that because for young kids, it's hard for them to understand that it has nothing to do with them. So my daughter will be listening at some point to this podcast and I really want her to hear that, uh, that she is a gift and a joy for me. But my postpartum did start immediately after I gave birth to Madeline. I didn't recognize the symptoms as being postpartum depression. I recognized them instead as a weakness and a failure on my part to know how to mother. I had prided myself on being a strong professional and I'm a perfectionist type A personality. And whatever I put my mind to, I achieve And I put my mind to being a mother and a good mother, and I felt like such a huge failure. I didn't have any other mothers around me who had been vocal about what it's really like to struggle as a new mom. I didn't know how to breastfeed. I struggled a lot with that. And I was hearing a lot of noise around, if you don't breastfeed and you give your child formula, they won't grow up healthy. I heard a lot about, you know, Being a mom is so natural. Why are you struggling so much? There were a lot of very well-intentioned people around me who didn't recognize that what I was dealing with was postpartum depression. I was in denial. I fought it for a very long time, which exasperated the symptoms. And I really did just see it as my own weakness. And I wish that at the time and even now, women would be more open around that it's okay to struggle as a new mom, that you don't know how to be a mom. It's not instinctive, despite what your grandmother and great-grandmother would have you believe. It's not instinctive to be a mom. And there are a lot of learned things that come around from being a mom. And I had to learn that the hard way. And it got to a point where I spent the better part of my one-year mat leave locked up in my condo because I was scared to leave the house for fear that my daughter would be hurt outside. I was scared to leave the house because I didn't think I could protect my daughter. Um, I wasn't eating. I wasn't socializing. I wasn't doing the things that I was normally interested in. And I really just went inside of myself and I just couldn't get to a point where I recognized that I had postpartum until one day things got so bad. I went to my family doctor and I said, I'm not doing well. And I just had a complete breakdown, tears and all. And I said, I'm not a good mother. I don't want to mother my daughter. She's better off with my mom. And the doctor then sent me on an emergency visit to Mount Sinai where I had the luck of meeting a mental health clinician who worked with me very hard to convince me that what I had was postpartum depression, that it was not a failure on my part, that a lot of women go through it and that it's okay. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And I did feel ashamed for a very long time. And it took another probably six months for me to be convinced that I needed to be on medication. 
I'd never been on any antidepressants. I didn't want to be on antidepressants, particularly when I was breastfeeding. Because again, you hear a lot about taking antidepressants while breastfeeding isn't good for your baby. And I didn't want to prioritize me. I wanted to prioritize her. But it did get to a point where it was dire and I had to make a choice. And it, it was going to be a life or death choice. And I wisely chose at the time, not alone, it took the support of my family and my husband and a lot of medical health professionals to convince me that I needed medication. And I finally took it. And I'm not going to say that it cured me on day one. It takes a long time for medication to work. And then there's, of course, the trial and error, whether I'm on the right medication or not. So that, that, that was how my journey with mental illness started. And I know you only asked me about postpartum, but if I may, I'll tell you a little bit more about where my mental illness um, struggles are now. So it's now about 11 years later, and I'm still dealing with mental illness. My most recent diagnosis is treatment-resistant major depressive disorder and anxiety. And it's treat it's treatment resistant because there are five classes of antidepressants on the market. I've tried all of them over the last 11 years. Some with success, others not. Some work for a while and then they stop. And I know there's a segment of the population out there that are going to be listening to this podcast or are going to be able to relate to what I'm saying. Because when it works, it's really great. When it doesn't, it is hell and back. The, the trial period, the first six weeks on a new medication, you don't feel like yourself. You're agitated. You're scared. You feel hopeless. You feel like, what's the point? The other medications didn't work. What makes me think this one is going to work? And the physical manifestation of the drugs on your body are really hard to insomnia, weight gain, nausea, dizziness, le being lethargic, all of those things on top of you literally every hour on the hour fighting to literally live. And it's, it's been a very hard journey. I've had episodic years and non-episodic years. And the episodic years are very, very difficult. And I, I really credit my healthcare professionals and my family and my husband and my daughters for the fact that I am here today. Mm. Well, you are very brave to be sharing this story and i think you're helping a lot of women with the work that you are doing as a as a mental health advocate um because i think one you know one of the issues is that we don't hear about women going through you know episodes and 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 years of uh, of of illness and facing you know this this ongoing situation like you are so first, I want to, you know, thank you for uh, being dishonest and, and uh, open and transparent about what you are living through. 
Um, and congratulations for even being able to share your story today. I think that's really, uh, really powerful and so helpful. You know, it's always a risk when I open up and tell my story. It's always a risk for me because I don't know how others will perceive my story and whether others will judge me for who I am. But I, I'm reading a book right now called Untamed, and there's a quote in there that really resonated with me, which essentially is about you have to be who you are, and if people don't accept you for who you are, they're not worthy of being in your life. It's hard enough to fight every day to survive without having to pretend to be okay every day. And so I decided a while back that I wasn't going to pretend anymore, that I was going to be me, holistically me, authentically me, and I was going to tell my story, and I was going to be an advocate, because it's important for me to break down the stigma of those who live with mental illness primarily for my daughters, because I want them to understand that, as Cam H has put it, mental health is health, and it's okay not to be okay. And there is no shame in being sick. And so for me, it has to start somewhere, the dialogue has to start somewhere. And I'm lucky enough to be able to have an audience that will listen to what I have to say. And I want my story to be heard, if only so that the story could be a motivation for another woman who's struggling and wondering, is there hope for me? I can't get out of bed today. I can't tempt to my daughters or my kids. I can't get to work today. And I want my story to be a story of hope because I too had to take time off work to deal with my mental illness. And I never thought I could get back into the work field. But here I am. I'm back. This season of The Bren is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. And that's proof of your resilience and, um, you know, of the, of the success, even if it doesn't always feel like success, success I'm sure, but um, of, your, of your healing journey and your, the, the path that you, want, that you are on for healing. How can we help women who are facing mental health challenges of any type, of any size, of any, uh, you know, any dimension? And do you think that the, the conversations that we are having, you know, around the challenges 
of mental health are helping us move in the right direction in terms of inspiring these women who, like you, are, are suffering from uh, uh, from distress or, or any type of, of mental health issues? Um, are, they, are we inspiring more women to seek help, basically? I think that's such a great question. And I'll start by saying that I am in a most supportive work environment. And I could not have survived the last year if I was not in a supportive work environment. I have colleagues who are open to receiving me for who I am. And I have leaders who advocate for me to be who I am and who ask the hard questions. How are you coping today? I am in the minority, unfortunately, of having that kind of support as a woman. I think women deprioritize self-care, including mental care, mental health care, because they are overburdened with caregiving, looking after their parents, going to work, struggling at work to be treated as equals to their counterparts. And so if anything has to give in a woman's life, it is her self-care. And what we as a society need to do is make it such that women prioritize self-care over everything else. My sister always says to me, you can't be of help to anyone, including when you're on a plane. If the plane is going down, you're useless to everyone around you if you don't put your gas mask on first. But women can only put their gas mask on if they have the support of their employers. And by that I mean the flexibility that can be afforded through an employment relationship to say to your female employees, I understand that your work schedule may not be my work schedule. I understand your work schedule may not be nine to five. I'm okay with that. You do you, you get to your work around your schedule. Recognize that over the last year, mothers and fathers have had to deal with kids running around the house because there's no childcare or school and not everyone is lucky enough to have childcare at home. Recognize that when a woman is doing her conference call, there's gonna be kids and cats and dogs in the background that are interrupting her and taking away her attention. You know, it's the little things, it's the practical things that make a difference. Um, and the other thing too is the reality is until women have the same access and the same opportunities as men do from a professional perspective, they won't be well served in their life from a mental health perspective because it's very hard as a woman to work just as hard as your male counterpart and be paid 25% less. And we just saw a big article in the Globe and Mail about that in the legal profession, right? And so I think it's really important for, for society as a whole to consider what are the little things we could do to help women prioritize their mental health. Because I couldn't have prioritized my mental health if I was worried about how I was going to feed my children. And, or... or 
you know, can I go to my therapy session? Will my work permit me to do that? You know, my, my entire team at work knows every Wednesday from 8 to 9 in the morning, I am unreachable because I have my therapy session. This is a luxury I didn't always have as a professional. I wouldn't have always felt comfortable to say to my employer, you know, I'm going to be off from whatever hour to whatever hour doing therapy. But I say it now, I put a stake in the ground, and I'm not flexible about that time because that is my gas mask. So, you know, I, I usually answer questions through storytelling because it, to me that's what resonates the most for me um, is, is just through my own personal experience, what has worked is what I think might be helpful for other women too. Right. Mm-hmm. And what would be your advice to young women? And, and I love that you've shared your journey and how you were able to finally ask for help. Um, you know, in your case, it was your, with your family doctor, but, um, I think of young women, especially who might be struggling with, as, as, as you've shared as well, the pressures of a demanding job and um, also just the pressure of, you know, being a perfectly nice woman who's not going not gonna to complain and um, not go, going to be overly sensitive about things, which we've all been raised to believe. Um, but women who feel like they are experiencing some type of mental distress, no matter the level, where where should they start what's you know what what would be your 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 advice to a woman who is struggling but feels like maybe it's difficult to speak to someone about what she's experiencing and that's a really hard question you know because you really have to do a lot of soul searching to figure out what is right for you but i think my biggest advice in this space is you have to take action if you don't take action no one will ever realize what your struggles are. No one can help you if you will not speak up. So the first thing that I would tell someone who is struggling is find someone that you trust. Find a mentor, a colleague, a family friend, anyone that you trust to have your back and go and confide in them. Have a good cry session. Tell them what you're going through. There's a lot of benefit and therapeutic results from just telling your story. So tell your story and do not be ashamed and do not be apologetic for what you're going through. Do not let people tell you you're having a bad day and certainly do not let people tell you you should be grateful for what you have and focus on the positive and not the negative. Because mental illness is not about being grateful. I am grateful for everything I have, and I still have a mental illness. So having that support system is really critical. And be kind and compassionate to yourself. Recognize that it's not your fault that you're sick. It's not your fault that you're struggling. There are a lot of reasons why women struggle. Systemic barriers, trauma, addiction, poverty, perfectionism, high expectations of ourselves, lack of compassion. These are all very valid reasons that are sometimes the underlying cause for mental illness. 
And sometimes it's just genetic or it's just your hormones. Whatever the reason is, recognize that it's not your fault and seek help. Go to your family doctor, get a referral to go see a psychotherapist. Talk about your struggles. It is a full-time job to stay mentally healthy. And it's, it's critical to do it. It's not easy. It's the hardest job that I have to stay mentally healthy every day. And it's, it's just like your job. It's, it's just like a full-time job. And if you don't put in the same effort into getting better mentally, you won't succeed in any other aspect of your life. And so my advice is talk to someone who, who you trust and get professional help. Don't wait. Don't wait and think that it's going to get better. As women, we often, we've been, we've been taught to try to deal with our own issues and we're not always great at asking for help. So that is really good advice. Um, you've brought up, um, you know, inequities in the workplace, the challenges that women have. You have a successful career in the law uh, world. Um, could you share with me an example of when you felt, and maybe maybe it wasn't in a workplace, but could you share with me an example of uh, how you've experienced a gender gap at any point? Yeah, and I thought hard about how to answer that question, you know, because I don't think this is unique to me. I think women generally face inequities in the workplace, whether it's when they come back from mat leave, whether they're considered for a promotion, are they considered for a promotion when they are on mat leave? Even if they are the most deserving candidate, are they overlooked for a promotion? Are they paid the same amount as their male counterparts? Are they promoted in the same way as their male counterparts? Is there a male-dominated culture of talking sports and playing golf and going to bars um, that excludes women from those conversations? Is there mentoring that's happening of women in the same way and informal mentoring is invaluable, which happens on the golf course sometimes? Is that happening for women in the same way, at the same rate as it is for men? And let's not even talk about We're not just talking about women. We're talking about people of color, um, other, there are many other groups who struggle in the same way that women do. And so if I think about all those things, these are inequities that have been happening for generations and they still exist. They're very prominent. And the tone is set from the top. And there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk about advancing women. But the numbers speak for themselves. You don't see a lot of women in C-suite positions. You don't see women getting paid the same as men. And so the inequities are there. They're not unique to me. It's, it's not enough 
for women to work hard. Because you could work hard, but if you don't work smart, <laughs> you're going to stay where you are for a very long time. And that is a very sad realization. And I'm not saying women should play the political game. I don't play it. I don't want any part in it. But I recognize that a lot of women in the C-suite roles have had to play the game. And I hope, I hope that for my daughters and the next generation of women, that they will be in C-suite positions because of their performance and because they lead with heart. That should not be a detractor. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, we absolutely need a new uh, definition of leadership models to get there. Um, my favorite question to ask my guests on the show, and you can choose to answer this any way you want, and you can even rephrase the question, but I like to ask, what is one thing you wish women would do more of? That is a great question. And I... There's so many things that I wish women would do more of. But one thing is, toot your own horn. It's okay to be proud of your accomplishments and to be proud of what you've accomplished and to talk about those accomplishments. I also would love for women to be more compassionate to themselves. Don't, don't be so hard on yourself. Be kind to yourself. Because we've had to overcome a lot as women. And it's okay not to be perfect. And be more authentic to who you are and what you want for yourself. Because I, I don't think women live their truths a lot of the times. We live by what society dictates to us to be what our lives should be. We should be mothers. We should be wives. We should be daughters. We should be good at all those things. But inevitably we end up being caged and we don't live our truths and we wake up when we're 60 and we say wow i didn't really live the life i thought i would so let's break free let's just be who we are let's live the life we want for ourselves not the one our husbands fathers bosses want us to live that is great advice um, Carol, thank you so much and thank you for sharing your journey with us. Um, and it's, I think the, you know, the work you're doing as, as an advocate and the work you're doing, um, in, in, in your profession is, is amazing. And the fact that you are able to, uh, talk about everything you're going through, um, is really helping so many other women. So, especially as we're celebrating women's month in March, this is uh, obviously very timely. 
So thank you for everything you share. Thank you for your advice. And I wish you the best on this healing journey that you're on. It's been my absolute pleasure to speak with you, Eva. And I welcome any future opportunities to update you on where my life takes me. And for, for women listening to me, it's hard to have mental illness. It's really, really hard. And it takes a lot of perseverance to overcome it. But I, I just want to leave listeners with one message. You can do this. Don't give up. Don't leave us behind. There are people who need you on this earth. And you being here has a lot more value than you not being here. So do the hard work and keep getting better. And there's always a light at the end of that tunnel. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brand is Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Yeah.